Agree with Ian. Welcome to LifeBridge. Thanks for being here, guys. Welcome. How are you doing? Good? Show of hands, who's really, really doing bad? I'm just kidding. We don't have to do, do that right now. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for coming to church. We want to say welcome. Um, there are cards on the seat backs in front of you. Um, there's cards on the seats next to you, but we will talk about those in a minute. It's a surprise. I'm kidding if you can read. But um, there are cards you can use to fill out to connect with us in the seat backs in front of you. Uh, we encourage you to do that. If you're visiting and looking to get a little bit more connected, we want to say thanks for being here. We gather on Sunday mornings together to turn our, fo- our focus and attention towards the Lord together in community. We thank you for joining us in that this morning. We want to tell you about My Life Bridge as well. My Life Bridge is the best way to stay up to date with what's going on with church. MyLifeBridge.church for events. Uh, email updates, you can sign up for there. You can give online from there. And we also have a sermon and dev- a sermon audio and a daily devotional Monday through Friday that goes out in both written and audio form. And you can access all that from My Life Bridge as well. So check out MyLifeBridge.church. If you're not doing the daily uh, devotional, we'd encourage you to do that. You can get signed up for that as well. To get, uh, to get either the text version or uh, subscribe on, on podcast feeds, things of that nature as well. So that's my life bridge. Thank you for supporting our mission with your giving. Sorry, Ross, that was my fault. Thank you for supporting our mission with your giving. You can do that online uh, through our website, lifebridge.church. You can give uh, a one-time or a recurring gift if you want to sign up to, get, to give monthly. We also have Venmo, and there are giving boxes on each end of the hallway. And, uh, and, you're, and you're giving, it, it, it does take care of the things that we do here. I mean, there's, there's a lot that happens that, you know, just like a house or anything else, there's, there's quite a bit happening that, uh, that has to be taken care of, has to be maintained, things of that nature. And we thank you for your help in doing those things, even if you don't always see it. Um, they, are, uh, they are getting done every week, and, and we appreciate your faithfulness and your help in those things. So thank you again for supporting our mission. If this is your home church, we ask that you give, and like I said, online, um, on Venmo, and there's giving boxes on each end of the hallway. Okay, now there are cards on the seat next to you about our Pursuit Conference, which is coming up June 5th through the 12th. And really what it is is it's pretty simple. We've got, on June 5th and 12th, we've got guest speakers. Those are Sundays. We're going to have guest speakers both June 5th and June 12th. And then every night, Tuesday through Thursday, there's going to be something happening in the building here. We've got our one-on-one courses on, on uh, Tuesday and Thursday. And we've got, um, we've got Soul Care Night on Wednesday. And so we want to encourage you guys to be here for that stuff as best you can. Put it in your calendar and, and plan to be here. It's, it's still about a, a little less than a month out. But um, our one-on-one courses, we encourage everyone to try to get to them at least once. We're doing Ownership 101, which we do at every, at every uh, conference week. And then we're doing a new one called Leadership 101. It's talking about, it's not just like, like tweetable leadership quotes. It's, it's more about what it, what it looks like to lead in the church context here. Um, I mean, I love some John Maxwell as much as the next guy, but um, but yeah, so please come and join us for, th- for this stuff. Soul Care Night, we're talking about identity on Wednesday, uh, Wednesday the 8th. Identity is such an important part of this, this uh, pursuit topic that we've been talking about and what we're pursuing with our lives, and identity is really at the core of that. So Tuesday through Thursday night, there will be child care every night. There will be food. We will feed you and, and feed your kids and watch your kids. For you. So we're trying to make it easy to be a part of 6 to 7.30 p.m. Tuesday through Thursday night every night. Guest speakers on the weekends. We want to make sure uh, to prioritize this together. Prioritize our discipleship and our growth together during, during that week. I have a question to ask just because I'm a little nervous. I was painting last night. Can anyone see any paint on my body anywhere? Elbows? I can never see my elbows. 
I knew it. I knew it. As I was walking up here, I'm like, there's pain on me somewhere. I know it. That's how you know it's good quality. It comes off in the, doesn't come off in the shower. I didn't shower, but I, no, I'm kidding, I did. Okay, with that, I want to give a warm welcome to a man with absolutely no pain on his elbows because he's very well-kempt and his name is Pastor John Adams. Let's hear it for him. Thanks, dude. I was painting last weekend, and I think, I don't know if I came to church on Sunday or not, but I, I saw paint like right here. This is the spot that gets me. If you paint, like, you know, I never see it, and it just stays there for like days on end until I catch it. All right. Uh, you'd think after at, like this point in my life, I would know to look for it, but I still never do. Whatever. All right, let's pray and jump into the sermon, shall we? <clears throat> Lord, we praise your name. We glorify you. Thank you for who you are, for how you love us, and Lord, how you called us to this life of pursuing you, pursuing your kingdom. We thank you for, Lord, renewing our heart, giving us new longings, new passions, new desires in life, and calling us to your kingdom. So Lord, we want to surrender all of ourselves to you to pursue you, to pursue your kingdom, and find the fulfillment in the abundant life that you promise. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so our campaign is called The Pursuit, and the first three weeks we focused on this biblical concept of our identity and who we are in Christ. So we have to have this true concept of ourself is what we started off talking about, to know who we are. And ultimately, for Christians, if we are following Christ, if we are in Christ, and the many different ways that Scripture talks about our relationship to Christ and to God, uh, if that is the primary nature of our identity, then that has to be the bedrock of who we are and what we pursue. And therefore, the things that we pursue out of it must align with our new creation identity in Christ, which is towards the kingdom, which is towards Christ himself, and it is for him and the calling that he has placed on our life. So if our pursuits and our longings and our passions are all geared towards that, then what we're going to talk about today is that we can find fulfillment and satisfaction Peace, rest, all of the different ways that Scripture talks about it. <clears throat> Last week we talked about how we, should pursue, we pursue what we long for the most. So I asked the question simply, where is your heart compass pointing you? <laughs> where is your longing taking you? It is taking you somewhere. And whether you know it or not, it is. It's taking you to what you long for the most because you're pursuing that. What your heart desires and what you're longing for, whether it's uh, simply a new job or a spouse or a child or a new house, whatever it is that you long for the most, you're pursuing it. And your life is headed that direction. Is it Christ? Is it his kingdom? Or is it something else? It's one of the foundational bedrock questions in the Christian life and discipleship. That if that is oriented towards Christ, if your heart and your longing is oriented towards Christ, so many of these other things that we as Christians struggle with and wrestle with will come into alignment under Christ. So I encourage you to keep wrestling with that question. Keep that question lingering in the back of your mind as you go throughout your day. What am I longing for? What am I pursuing? Is it Christ and his kingdom or is it something or someone else? So this week we're gonna talk about how Christ truly satisfies. That we will not find fulfillment apart from Christ apart from him and his kingdom. Because again, 
I think this is one of the things, what we're really longing for is fulfillment, is satisfaction, is peace, rest. We're seeking something that will leave us feeling fulfilled. For so many of us, that's a spouse. If we're searching for a spouse, we think that that spouse will leave us feeling fulfilled and satisfied. Whether it's companionship, friendship, those specific aspects of that intimate relationship that we are longing for fulfillment. For some, it's a child. For some, it's approval. For some, it's acceptance of others or from one specific other who you've never had that individual's approval and so you're striving for it and you're pursuing it whether you know it are aware of it or not. For some of us, it's self-gratification, just trying to gratify the more base nature of our being. We are striving for that, pursuing stuff, pursuing food, pursuing wealth, pursuing a life of luxury and vacation or just lack of conflict. For some of us, it's achievements and success, and so we're pursuing that. For some of us, it's just retirement. It's rest. <laughs> it's not having to do as much stuff. And so those are the things that we are pursuing because that is what our heart is truly longing for. Our big idea is that our deepest fulfillment is found in Christ alone. Those other things are, are fine. They, they fulfill certain aspects of who we are when we accomplish those, and they, they are fulfilling to a degree, but they're not our deepest. If they're not our deepest longing, because they don't align with our identity, then they will not fully satisfy and leave us fulfilled. Certainly not in the way that Christ fulfills our deepest longing. And that's one of the questions, right? Like if we long, I think that's one of the questions long, like in the back of our mind is, if I long for Christ and I pursue Christ and his kingdom the most, like, will I really be fulfilled? Like, is that enough? And I don't think many of us have admitted that to ourselves, but we think like, I need all these other things too, plus Christ, and I wanna have it all. And if I do, then I'll be fully satisfied and fulfilled. But again, our longings are tiered, and so if Christ is our deepest longing, then we must find our deepest satisfaction and fulfillment in him and in him alone. <laughs> Last week I mentioned the, uh, the end of the uh, movie in the series uh, of Narnia, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, where Reepicheep, he's this courageous little rat, right? And at the end of it, where he's going over the wave in his little boat and his face is just perfect. I love how they, how they depicted that. They did such a great job. Because he had been longing for Aslan's country for so long <clears throat> and pursuing it wholeheartedly for so long. And I think some of us, our fear is like, when we get to that moment where we're entering Aslan's country, is our level of expectation going to be disappointed? Have we been anticipating what this is going to be for so long and are we going to be left disappointed when we finally get it? And his, his face is so perfect because it's everything that he ever dreamed of and more. Like when he, when he goes over that little wave, he's just, like how they depict it is fantastic. It's peace, it's rest, it's fulfillment, it's joy, all exemplified on this little rat's face, which is awesome, right? 
But that is, I think, what Scripture is trying to point us to. That, yes, it seems totally counterintuitive to pursue Christ and his kingdom above all else, above, above all of our self-gratification and all of those other things that I just mentioned, where we think that we will find fulfillment. But when we do, we find it to be true. That Jesus is fulfilling. That's the story of John's gospel. I mentioned it briefly last week. I want to touch on it again. That is like one of the primary themes throughout the gospel of John. The Samaritan woman at the well in John 4. In her conversation with Jesus, she, Jesus reveals to her and she confesses that she's had five husbands and the person that she's living with now is not her husband. So it seems as if she has been seeking fulfillment, her deepest fulfillment, in a spouse. And we don't know the whole ins and outs of her story and what exactly happened there. But she was still looking for something more. She was still not fulfilled. And so in John 4.10, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And then in verses 13 and 14, Jesus says, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, meaning the water from the well. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So just like we're longing for water when we are thirsty, which it's been hot this week, so it's a good illustration, right? When you're super thirsty and you're longing for water and you drink a big glass of cold ice water, it satisfies. It fulfills you. This is what Jesus is saying here. What, what she's looking for is fulfillment in something else other than Jesus. And Jesus is saying, hey, if you would have asked me, I would have given you this deep level of fulfillment and satisfaction that you can't experience apart from me. In John 6, after feeding the 5,000, they follow him to the other side of the lake, and Jesus tells them through their conversation, very truly I tell you, you're looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. They're looking to be satisfied with food and another meal. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life, in verse 35. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Again, this is one of the main themes of John's gospel is people come to Christ looking for fulfillment and satisfaction in something or someone else, and Jesus points them to himself. And he constantly says, come to me. <laughs> you will be fulfilled. You will be satisfied in me. Like you are looking for water. Like you are looking for food. And you need those things for sustenance and to live. Jesus is saying, no, spiritually what you need is deeper than that, and it is me. So come to me. Jesus constantly calls them to himself. Even in the other Gospels, the rich young ruler of Matthew 19, which so many of us should see ourselves when we read that story in this rich young man in our Western American culture, says that he went away, or he went away sad because he had great wealth. This man was looking for his fulfillment and satisfaction in his wealth. And so when Jesus says, go sell everything you have and come follow me, he can't do it. Because he had found what he thought was fulfillment and satisfaction in his wealth and in his stuff. So that even when the Messiah, the Lord, God himself is calling him to come follow him, he turns away sad and pursues a life of wealth and luxury. 
apart from Christ. It's a sad story that many of us are walking in that sad story. Positive example is the life of the Apostle Paul. I've just been kind of smitten by the book of Philippians, as you can tell. I'm constantly coming back there. In the book of Philippians, we were there last week as well, uh, Paul's writing this letter from prison. He's most likely in Rome after he had been in prison for over two years. He was held in Caesarea for over two years uh, because the ruler there was looking for a bribe, hoping that he would get a bribe out of Paul to be set free. He's waiting his trial before Caesar, and he could have been set free. Uh, And first of all, he's there kind of unjustly. If you remember the story from the book of Acts, uh, a riot kind of starts up in Jerusalem, and they might kill him, and the Roman soldiers come in and save him, and then Paul appeals to Caesar. So then he ends up traveling all the way to Rome, stays in Caesarea for two years, and he's been in prison for a long time. And this is, this is not even including all the other times that he's been beaten. He's been kicked out of cities where he's preaching the gospel, that he's been put in prison before. He's lived a tough life following Christ. And he's waiting. he has two options in front of him. He can either be set free by Caesar, or he knows that he could be executed simply at the decision of Caesar. The Philippian church has sent him a gift, and part of the reason that he's writing to them is to thank him, thank them for this gift. And he says in chapter 4, we're going to rewind to chapter 1, but here in chapter 4 he says, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. That's my prayer for us this week, is that you would discover this secret. I've learned to be content in any and every situation. Contentment is a result of a deeply fulfilled and satisfied life in Christ. A life where our pursuits and our longings have been directed towards him and he satisfies our deepest being. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And he says, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Remember, Paul's in prison. Whether he's well-fed or hungry, living in plenty or in want, he has found the secret of contentment. And if we're honest with ourselves, so many of us are so discontented with far more than Paul could have ever even dreamed of. If Paul walked into this space right now and saw us gathering and not worried about persecution from from another religious group in the community or from the governing uh, authorities in the community, he'd be like, what? (laughs) This is amazing. Like, you guys can worship God freely together and you're not worried about anything or anyone and you still don't choose to do this? because you have other obligations? What? He would be blown away by the fact that we could do this. And we take it for granted week after week after week. And then he says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. That's his secret, is his life is totally centered on Christ, Jesus. Everything is about Jesus in Paul's life. He's totally surrendered to him. 100%. I can't read this verse without without ripping on athletes. So many athletes put this on their eye black, right? Or write it on their shoes. And they're like, 
the connotation is like, I can make this three-point shot because of Jesus who gives me strength. They're like, when I'm tired in the fourth quarter, Christ will give me strength to keep running. Uh, and I like, I like Tim Tebow, but Tim Tebow, I always put this on his, I think he put it on his eye black, right? Connotation being, right, like I can run through that middle linebacker because of Christ who gives me strength. Or for Tebow, it'd be more like I can throw a spiral for Christ. <laughs> That's a low blow. Sorry, Tim. I like him. He's not a great quarterback, but I like him. <laughs> actually, that's actually a good example, I think, because Tebow, because <laughs> in the context, like what actually happened to Tebow is probably a better example than him like winning a game through Christ who gives him strength. It's like facing the rejection of all of these teams who don't think he's a good quarterback, but still learning to be content in life. That's a better illustration, that's a better application than it is like Christ is gonna help me win this game. No, Christ will help you be content no matter your situation and facing the rejection of all of these teams and losing your job and having to totally change the trajectory of your life and still finding contentment. Yeah, Christ can help me do that. So that's actually, that actually fell into that. That's a good example though. <laughs> yeah, praise the Lord. <laughs> All right, let's rewind back to chapter 1, starting here in verse 20. Here, I think Paul is talking about what his, his secret to finding contentment is. I think we see it throughout the whole book, but especially here in verse 20. He says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage. So remember, he's facing, he's going to go to trial before Caesar. He might be released. He might be executed. He doesn't know. But, the, but we'll have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. I think that's the secret to Paul's contentment, that no matter what, whether he lives or dies, Christ will be exalted in his body. He has fully surrendered his life to Christ. This is Paul's pursuit. This is his number one pursuit in life, is that no matter what happens to him, Christ will be exalted in my body. So this should be our prayer. We should conform this text to say, like, Lord, be exalted in my body whether I live or whether I die. That is my deepest longing, and that is what I am pursuing. So whatever my hopes, whatever my dreams are apart from you, I'm willing to lay those aside so that you will be exalted in me no matter what. And Paul says the famous words of verse 21. For to me... To live is Christ, and to die is gain. So remember, he's facing these two options. If he's released and set free to go on with his life, it will still be in full surrender and servitude to Christ Jesus, his Lord and Savior. And for Paul, that means working for the churches. That means planting more churches, because this is what Christ called him to. It means probably going to Spain and planting more churches in Spain, it means dealing with all of the complexities of the Corinthian church and all of their problems. It means writing these letters constantly and having this burden on his shoulders for the, the care and the discipleship and the spiritual health of the churches that he has planted. It means constant labor and work. It means facing persecution, rejection. It means facing the, the Roman authorities wherever he goes. It means facing the rejection of his own people of the Jewish people who have tried to arrest him and kill him multiple times. 
for me to live is Christ. That if he goes on living, it will be not for his own ambitions, not for his own pursuits, but for Christ, for his kingdom, for whatever Jesus has called him to. No matter the suffering and pain that comes with it, it will be for Christ because his whole identity is wrapped up in Christ Jesus and the calling that he has placed on his life. And then he says, to die is gain. <laughs> for Paul, he's been striving for so long and he's been suffering so much. Prison for two years. And this is just one of his stints in prison. He's been persecuted, he's been beaten, he's always <laughs> being kicked out of cities where riots start up and all of this wild stuff when you read the book of Acts. He's faced so many challenges. So for him, when he says to die is gain, he means to be with Jesus would be an end to his suffering and his pain. And to finish the race that Christ has called him to. Band, you guys can come on and get set up. He goes on, if I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. He's just expounding on the idea that I already talked about. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for, for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So Paul living and continuing on means that he's just going to continue discipling these people. He's going to continue to disciple the Philippians. That's his, his primary calling from Christ and his goal that he is pursuing in his life is if he goes on living, it's going to be all about helping them progress in their faith. And they find joy in their faith. When we apply this, we're going we're gonna to hit on the topic of joy a little bit later. Joy is one of the main themes of the book of Philippians. So that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Again, when you read, when you read the letters of Paul... Just notice how much of his life is just completely engrossed in Christ Jesus. He can't even talk to them about <laughs> like whether he's going to live or die or survive or not and not talk about how they're boasting in Christ, their identity is in Christ. Everything points to him as our life should be. So again, here's our big idea. Our deepest fulfillment is found in Christ alone. When we find this fulfillment in Christ and he is our deepest longing, he fulfills and he satisfies so that even when Paul is in prison for over two years, he can say, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. His life is one of deep fulfillment and satisfaction in Christ in spite of his circumstances. Let's pray and then we'll sing and I'll apply it later. Lord, Thank you for the example of the life of Paul. Lord, these heroes of the faith that we can look up to and they can strengthen our faith when we see how even in the midst of terrible circumstances, circumstances that we can't even really fathom, Lord, they have found deep fulfillment, satisfaction, peace, rest in you, Jesus. Lord, help us who are experiencing far less trials, persecutions in our day-to-day -day life. Help us experience this deep contentment. Help us find the secret 
of contentment by surrendering to you, Jesus, by surrendering to your will, by following you and pursuing you and your kingdom ultimately above all else. And Spirit of God, would you produce contentment and joy and peace in our inner life that is inexplicable in spite of our circumstances. So Lord, we are surrendered to you. You are our deepest longing, and we express that as we worship you together. In Jesus' name, amen. While we're singing, if you guys need prayer, uh, please come in the back. We'd love to pray with you. As we talked about last week, one of the reasons that we, we gather together on Sundays to worship and to praise is to redirect our attention to the one who truly fulfills, to redirect our longings, to redirect our attention to Christ to pursue him. After a week, six days of pursuing those other things that we need in life, that are important in life, to direct our attention to the one who truly fulfills and satisfies, the object of our deepest longing, Christ, Christ alone. Our big idea is that our deepest fulfillment is found in Christ alone. And this fulfillment, I think the secret of it comes in surrender to Jesus. It comes in surrender to him and to his will, his leading, his guidance. So that those other things that we're pursuing in life, those other dreams and goals and ambitions that we have fall under the umbrella of the will of God in Christ. And so if we achieve them, Thank you, Lord, for your gracious kindness to me. And if we don't, we can confidently declare and say, Lord, this must not be your will, and my deepest longing and goal is your will. So even if I haven't accomplished it, even if I haven't achieved it or gained what I had hoped, I am content and I am satisfied. I am fulfilled because my deepest longing is Christ and his will. I'm fully surrendered to. So you can still find contentment in the midst of disappointment and even in despair. This is totally counterintuitive, you guys. Everything in your physical nature, everything in the culture around us and the world around us is telling us that fulfillment is found in satisfying our own self-gratification and our own desires in pursuing those things that we think will make us happy. The reality is our deepest fulfillment is found in surrender to Jesus and to his will. We must surrender to the salvation that he brought, that our righteousness is not in our own works, in our own morality, in our own goodness, in our own ability to follow the laws of God. No. Our righteousness is found in Christ and in Christ alone. That he has died on the cross for us and taken our sin. And so it is only through faith in Christ that we can be made new. It's not because we are so good. It's because God saved us through Jesus and has imputed his righteousness to us by his great mercy and love. To surrender to his salvation, we also must surrender to his will for our life. We must commit to following his word, his ways, surrendered 
to what he has told us is true, to what he has told us is right, to what he has told us is good. Not our own ideas. We're not free to make up our own ideas of what is right and what is good. We follow God's way and we surrender to that. We also follow God's will for our own life, our individual life, and the specific calling that he's placed on us. Like the Apostle Paul, <laughs> when Jesus saved him, he told said he's going to show him how much he must suffer for his name. <laughs> what a calling, right? That sounds great. Let's go to work, Jesus. I'm going to suffer for you. That sounds fun. And his life proved it out. And yet, in the midst of all of his suffering, he experienced this deep fulfillment and satisfaction because he had his purpose in Christ. And his kingdom is what he was ultimately striving for. And this isn't just a calling to full-time ministry and pastoral work. Seek what God has called you to how he has called you to bring his kingdom to your neighborhood, to this town, to your places of work, to your homes. What has God called you to do to bring his kingdom here? And no matter what the cost might be, you will find fulfillment in pursuing that calling. So again, I think the base of this, if we are to amend verse 20 into a prayer, I invite you to just sit and reflect on this right now. May Christ be exalted in my body, whether through life or death. So any other pursuit, any pursuit other than the exaltation and glory of Christ will leave you deeply unsatisfied and unfulfilled. So I invite you to just sit with that prayer right now. May Christ be exalted in my body, whether through life or through death. Just sit with that. Think about all of the connotations that that has for tomorrow, for Wednesday, for your work, for your home life. May Christ be exalted in my body, no matter what. Just sit with that for just a moment and reflect on it. I invite you to continue reflecting on that throughout the week. What does a fully surrendered life to Christ mean for your hopes, your aspirations, your dreams, your schedules, your home life, all of that stuff? What does that mean? Keep that operating in the back of your mind throughout your week, being fully surrendered to Christ. And I think you'll find that idea is transformational to everything. Next. Our fulfillment is represented in our contentment and our joy regardless of our circumstances. Our fulfillment in Christ is represented in our contentment and our joy regardless of our circumstances. From a prison in Rome, 
Paul has said that he found the secret of being content regardless of his circumstances. In verse 18, he says that he rejoices because Christ is being preached, even if he is preached by people with bad motives. <laughs> Remember, everything in this guy's life centers on Christ. It's all about Jesus. All about Jesus. Everything. And then Philippians 1.19, he goes on to say, For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance, he says. We'll go through this a little bit more in the devotional. He's confident that he will be set free, as he said. But I think he's also referring to the court of heaven, as a way of saying it, that he'll be vindicated, that no matter what, if he dies and he ends up with Christ, win-win for him, right? Because he has given his life for his Savior, who gave his life for him. Here it is. And this is his reason for rejoicing. So he's found contentment, as we've already talked about, but he's also found joy. He's found joy from a Roman prison for two years, unjustly accused and unjustly held, just waiting for a bribe. I'd be furious, by the way. You know you're being held in prison just waiting for a bribe? Oh, drive me nuts. But he still continues to rejoice why? For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I think what he's referring to is what Jesus preaches in the Sermon on the Mount, where he says, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you falsely, and say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, he says, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. With that eternal perspective in mind, with our whole life centered around Christ Jesus and our pursuits and ambitions wholly geared towards him, we can rejoice even in the midst of terrible circumstances. And these are not contingent on our external environments, circumstances, life situation. It's an internal reality. love this one phrase. Gordon MacDonald in his book called Ordering Your Private World, he writes about uh, E. Stanley Jones, who's a Methodist missionary to India. He shares a brief story about him. He says when he was an aged man, he had a debilitating stroke that left him immobile and virtually speechless. He says, but not faithless. E. Stanley Jones said, I need no outer props to hold up my faith. That is such a good line. He says, for my faith holds me his external life circumstances, his health was failing, and it had failed him. And he says, I need no outer props to hold up my faith. So that's my prayer for all of us, that we would be so strong internally in our faith that we could find contentment regardless of the circumstances of your life right now, that you can find joy, you can find peace, no matter what's going on in the turmoil and the chaos surrounding you. If you're living an unsettled, discontented, joyless life, that is not the abundant life that Christ offers. And it's found in surrender to him. We don't like that idea, but it's true. 
that when we surrender to Christ, we can find peace, joy, contentment in spite of our circumstances. Another way that Jesus talks about this deep satisfaction and fulfillment is in terms of rest. This is a theme throughout all of Scripture, in fact. It's a theme that number seven connotes. It's completion, fullness, fulfillment. It's all throughout the Old Testament. It's tied, directly linked to the Sabbath and Sabbath rest. You can't rest if you're not content, right? It's a simple reality. And so, and that's what the practice of Sabbath is all about, is proving that you can rest and your contentment and your fulfillment is ultimately in Jesus. Because if if you're constantly pursuing those other things that you think will fulfill you, you will not rest. And so, that's why that practice is very important. However you choose to practice it, I would strongly encourage you to practice it. If you have things on your calendar today that you're planning on doing for work, I would encourage you to cancel them strongly. Stop laboring, stop toiling for a day and remind yourself, my fulfillment, my satisfaction, my rest is in Jesus and in him alone. So if all this other stuff doesn't get done, that's okay. We have to fight so hard because all of the cultural current and the messages in our culture are pushing us in the opposite direction. But Jesus is calling us to rest. In Matthew 11, one of my favorite verses in Scripture, Jesus is talking to people who are seeking fulfillment through following the law. And following the Old Testament law is a heavy burden. It's a yoke that they cannot carry because you will never be good enough and righteous enough to be made right with God. And Jesus says to them, come to me. Remember, constantly in Scripture, this is the message of Jesus' life throughout the Gospels, is come to me. You who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I will give you fulfillment. I will give you satisfaction. I will give you contentment, joy, peace, rest. All of those ideas are encapsulated in that term rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And so, for those of us who are striving for self-righteousness to be made right with God, come to Jesus. You can't stop working in rest, in the fulfillment, contentment, and joy of pursuing Christ and his kingdom, come to Jesus and you will find rest for your souls. And now we're gonna remind ourselves that our righteousness is in Christ and so we can rest. That we don't have to labor and toil to be made right with God. It's found in Christ and in his righteousness given to us when we put our faith and trust in Jesus. We're gonna do so by taking communion together, remembering that Jesus' blood has covered our sin and washed away all of our unrighteousness, remembering that his body was broken for us, that in his body he bore our sin. 
he took the penalty that we deserve so that we could walk free. And in that, we can find peace with God and rest with him. Communion elements are set up in the back. I'll go first, front rows, follow me into the middle. Grab the communion elements and bring them back to your seat. Hold on to them, and we will pray and partake of them together in just a moment. You guys pray with me first for the bread. Lord Jesus, you are the incarnate word. You are God in flesh. So Lord, we trust you when you say, when you call us to come to you, and that you will give us rest for our souls. So Lord, we trust you, that you have taken our sin in your flesh and nailed it to that cross. We trust you for our righteousness, Lord. All of our faith, all of our hope is in you, Jesus, for our salvation. And we remember that as we partake of the bread. Let's partake together. Would you pray with me now for the cup? Lord, thank you for your blood that was shed for us. Jesus, you have established a new covenant with us an everlasting covenant. That, Lord, our acceptance before God, our peace with God, is not through our obedience to the law, but it is through your blood that was shed for us and your forgiveness that you have so graciously bestowed upon us. So, Lord Jesus, we thank you. We worship you. Lord, we confess that we strive to put our own works, our own righteousness, ahead of gratitude, thankfulness for your work on the cross. Jesus, all of our hope, all of our trust and faith is in you, in your work on the cross for our salvation. We remember you as we partake together. Let's partake of the cup. Lord, God, would you help us to rest in you, Jesus, to come to you, those of us who are weary and burdened, and find our rest. Lord, you fulfill, you satisfy. So Lord, our deepest longing is for you, and we trust that we will find contentment and joy and peace and rest in you. That is our heart's cry, and we believe it to be true because that is what your word says. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for being here with us today. If you guys need prayer, you can continue to get prayer in the back, not go in the peace and rest that Christ has given us.